Hey, it's Andile here. Welcome to the special Morocco-themed Vibe Check episode. Now, with a population of around 37 million, Morocco boasts the third largest number of inhabitants in North Africa after Egypt and Algeria. And while the country's largest city, Casablanca, is undoubtedly Morocco's startup capital, it's the charming city of Marrakesh that recently played host to a rather large gathering of cross-sector tech and innovation stakeholders from across Africa, the Middle East, and the rest of the world. That's right. I'm talking about the inaugural Jitex Africa event that blew into Morocco's fourth largest city this past May. Now, happily, I blew into town with the thousands of others who came to suss the vibe and learn about this fascinating North African market. And so on this special Vibe Check edition, taped at the fringes of Gitex Africa, you'll hear some brief context-setting conversations about Morocco's early-stage startup and investment scene. And they should leave you humble to just how little most of us know about the country and hungry to learn more about what it takes to engineer startup success there. Yep, you can think of this episode as our essential Moroccan startup scene sampler. So, without any further ado, we'll kick things off by getting a lay of the land, courtesy of Salma Kabaj, a seasoned Moroccan innovation architect who is widely respected for her deep practical grasp of what it takes to successfully conceive, launch, and grow a tech startup in Morocco. Now, Salma is co-founder and CEO of Impact Lab, a Moroccan accelerator with pan-African ambitions that's committed to helping startups, corporates, and public institutions leverage the best of themselves to address their African growth challenges through innovation. So I caught up with Salma at a vibey evening networking event hosted by Flat Six Labs on a gorgeous Marikshi evening. Shout out to the Flat Six Labs team for the assist. Take a listen. Hi, my name is Salma Kabaj. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Impact Lab. We're an African startup accelerator based in Casablanca since 2015. And we offer incubation acceleration programs, and we also offer consulting services for corporates and public institutions that want to be more innovative and more competitive. So I have it on good authority that you know more than most about what constitutes the investment potential of Morocco's early stage startup scene. How would you sum up your, your thesis of what the big opportunity is for sub-Saharan African listeners or even global listeners who are interested in, in this market but don't know very much about it? How would you sum it up for them? So really in Morocco, we're in that period where there is an acceleration coming. We've built a strong pipeline of early stage startups for the past 10 years, I would say. And now they're really getting to the level where we have those gems that are coming out and they're not at the crazy valuations that you might find in other ecosystems that are more advanced. So I think it's really an opportunity for an investor from across Africa or even uh, internationally to come in into this ecosystem right before it really accelerates. I think it's interesting how this market perhaps in ways that might be different to even, you know, adjacent markets like Tunisia and maybe Egypt, engenders a need for investors to not just 
think in terms of investment, but also think more holistically about what the ecosystem might need yeah. and de-risk for for the success of, of I suppose, <laughs> future deal flow. Yeah. Give me a sense of how your experience has given you that perspective. So Morocco is not an easy ecosystem for startups to develop in. And really, if we look at it, all the work that's been done is really groundwork from small ecosystem players that have really built up that ecosystem since early 2010. But it's only very recently that we have big institutional players that are looking into this ecosystem with funds that are being created by uh, not government entities but public organizations. The government itself doesn't really have a startup strategy. So all of this is happening really with the sweat of the, of the small ecosystem organizations that have been pushing for the ecosystem to develop. And this is why I think there is a notion to say, well, you need to, as an investor, to really project what a startup could be like if she has that extra funding, if she has that extra support that will allow the startup to look outside of Morocco, because Morocco is a difficult market and you can do your proof of concept, but really generating the traction that is expected from international investors is hard in a timeline that's reasonable. So I guess there is the need for early stage investors to understand that and come in maybe slightly before you reach that level of traction that is typically expected with that idea to say, well, they still have a solid team, there's amazing talent, there are great ideas. We just need that extra push, you know, that will help those startups maybe expand regionally before they even reach the level of traction that is expected in their country. If we had more time, I'd ask about the role of corporates in this market. Yeah, in terms it's an of, interesting question. In terms of enabling that. But I'm going to save that for when we have this <laughs> <laughs> a much longer conversation yeah. about uh, Morocco as a market. And I do wonder, though, you know, what's the deal with, with Casablanca? Because everyone... Everyone seems to think I'm in Marrakesh at the moment, of course, yeah. and everyone tells me that's where it's at. And give me a, a novice's sensibility of why that is the case or why that might be a misperception in terms of like that's where the startup heat is at. Well, Casablanca is the place, even when you're looking for a job, you know, uh, because that's where all the corporates are mostly. And so, and our ecosystem in Morocco is mainly dominated by B2B startups. So when you're a startup, when you're a B2B startup, your clients are mostly in Casablanca. Uh, except if you're maybe an agri-tech startup, and in that case, you know, you're going to have to go to regions like Agadir or Meknes. But all other startups, all, most businesses are located in Casablanca. Okay, so it's not, it's not just Casablanca pride. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Casablanca is a big buzzing city. It's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's the first place you'd want to live in when you think of Morocco. Right. But uh, somehow we all end up living there. (laughs) Sounds like the Johannesburg of of Morocco, you know, relative to Cape Town. Exactly. Yeah, okay. But Marrakesh, where we are, is is really an amazing city and it's starting to have a really exciting uh, startup scene as well and some other cities like Agadir as well 
are, are really coming up, you know. So I'm sure there will be more happening in other cities in the coming Shout years. out to you, Marrakesh. Yeah. Shout out to you, Agadir. We want to come live there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you wish more Moroccan founders knew about launching and running a startup, do you think? Given all the programs you run, given all the, the talent you interact with yeah. and... And I imagine you see a lot of mistakes made over and over again, but you also see people learn from those mistakes and overcome yeah. them. What you wish more Moroccan founders, starting today, knew? I wish they had more ambition. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, yeah, they really fight to make their business work here in Morocco. And they waste a lot of time and energy and resources trying to do that. And, and sometimes I'm thinking, you guys need to think global faster yeah. and this is it's not easy and it's a, it's a whole mindset that needs to be ingrained you know in the entrepreneurs of thinking of their startup as a global player but really from the start you know even if they're doing their their first sales in Morocco but really having that global player attitude that's what I would uh, like to to push more for. Where does this idea that Moroccans aren't as entrepreneurial as some of their regional neighbors come from? Because that's really something I've heard before. Yeah. And maybe it's a lazy explanation for why, you know, some of the macros of your of your market haven't translated into startup, you know, business and yeah. and um, aspiration. Mm. Well, I think it's partially true. I mean, uh, traditionally Moroccans like historically are more trade people right. than you know, business building people. But also, we are very much influenced by the French culture right. and the French education, right. which is not uh, intrinsically entrepreneurial. And so our school system also does not promote risk-taking, does not promote that failure is okay. And we still have a strong perception socially that the best option today is going into working for public organizations even, you know, for government jobs. This is something that's very strong still today. People, wow. when they graduate, the ideal job is a government job. Are because, you serious? Aspirationally? Yeah, because you can have it for life. Oh, wow. You can't so the certainty fired. and the, um, the Real, consistency yeah, and the reliability. Yeah, this is what's really valued still today. But even by I've young people? Well, young people are facing a lot of pressure from their parents to conform to that. Yeah. But I've seen a huge uh, progress on that in the last, well, since we started. So we started first programs in 2014. And the difference is striking between then and now. Now we see a lot more, well, back then, really entrepreneurship was a plan B. So if you couldn't find a job, you would start your your business and you would think about a startup. But the moment you'd find an opportunity combined with the social pressure, then you would just take that job opportunity. Wow. wow. Now we see more and more really talented young people that have that are well educated that could have any career that they want, making that purposeful choice of becoming founders and this is a very good first step but there's a lot of education to be done there's a lot of 
also you know pushing for success stories to be more valued and it's happening slowly but no uh, small thanks to teams like yours right um, yeah, shout out to impact labs and yeah all the players in the ecosystem like really the historical players that have worked when when we started no one knew what's startups were no one was talking about them corporates when we approached them they were like are you guys serious did you guys leave corporate jobs to start an incubator wow. what are you guys doing yeah. like, this is ridiculous mm. um, a few years later we have startups in the media all the time journalists contacting us all the time to do you know pieces on the different startups. interrupting your <laughs> your pleasant socializing yeah, exactly. at, a, <laughs> at a lovely mixer event <laughs> <laughs> to jump on a podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but really uh, wanting to know more and value the startups themselves, beyond ourselves. But, and, and I think this is great because it's a sign that it's more accepted and it's better valued today. That's a great segue to the last question I have, which might get you in trouble, <laughs> depending how people see it, because I'm going to ask you to to select maybe one of your favorite success stories or maybe your favorite startups maybe they're not the same actually maybe that's not a maybe that's not the same startup so I'll let you choose I'll let you choose either your your favorite success story yeah. that you think the ecosystem has produced to date sounds like teamwork yeah or your favorite startup for whatever reason yeah because passion because the founder because the idea whatever so yeah. I'll let you choose one though and I hope <laughs> I hope no one takes offense <laughs> well, she loves you all. <laughs> exactly. Okay. No, it's okay. Okay. Well, the, the, the success stories, I mean, they're well known. We have Sherry, we have Inyad, we have Fritarium, you know, those startups that have really managed to raise funds internationally. Yeah. And these are super important because they're our flagships yeah. regionally, internationally, and they show to the other startups, you know, that it's possible. So those are great and I, I, I have a lot of respect for these founders because they made it happen in a very adversary environment. Mm, right. <laughs> so really like shout out to them and yeah. uh, I think they're doing amazing for the ecosystem as a whole. Then maybe yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Coup de Coeur, like we say in French, is a startup that we supported last year. It's an agri-tech startup called Centigreen. Whoa, that's one of the hardest sectors to grow. Yeah, it grow is. Grow a startup, yeah. I don't know. Health, health tech, agri-tech, what, what's harder? Agri-tech, right? It has to be. Depends where. Yeah, it does. Fintech is very hard in Morocco because of the regulation. Of course, okay. Agri-tech, well... The corporates are quite open because they really need to. They're in big trouble here. There's no more water. Uh, so they don't have, have a choice. Else. <laughs> they have to figure they something have out. They have to figure it out. And um, this is, well, it's not, they don't have really strong tech, but I love their vision. Okay. So what they're doing is that they're growing, regrowing uh, arid spaces oh. so places where you would not think you'd be able to grow anything they're coming and they're saying let's they're greening the desert wow and i love that idea would i have seen one of those things in the plane as we were landing because i mean there's places where like it's desert for miles and then yeah. there's just out of nowhere there's this the oasis yeah. of well it's all about water some in if you find water on your plot then you're fine yeah. you know 
But them, what they did is that they really modeled a kind of farm that's based on agroforestry and on uh, desalination of, of water. And so you can, uh, you can exploit uh, uh, lands or plots of lands that are really not, that not, don't have the right water for exploitation. And, um, and they're engaging communities around them. And I, I find that really amazing, and it's an amazing way of showing how you can have impact and still build a startup that will make, uh, will be, will be, you know, raise, it can raise money and has a business model that's really interesting because what they've done is that they modeled the way this farm works and they're selling that model to investors that are interested in uh, carbon credit. I was going to say, there has to be a carbon credit play on this yeah, one. Yeah, okay. of course. Okay. And so I think I find this really like they're, they're structuring these SPVs that investors can invest in and they can manage the, so the startup manages the farm and on top of that the investors are getting carbon credit. In a systematic, predictably sort of mapped and modeled rollout. Exactly, exactly how that farm can function. So for investors the risk is very limited and now they've demonstrated that on one initial farm uh, and they raised fund last year, they raised a million dollars to, 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 to do another uh, pilot farm much bigger scale and I can't wait to, uh, oh to see them grow and the team is just so nice. Come on and, Morocco, uh, come on, <laughs> come on, this is what we came for, this is what we love. Now that was Salma Kabaj of Impact Lab and on the grind at GTEx Africa were numerous journalists from all over the world who had flown into the country to mine the halls of GTEx Africa for exclusive scoops and regional insights. Among them, David Adeleke, the Africa editor at Rest of World, and Tej Kene Okafor, who covers startups and investment activities in Nigeria and the rest of the continent for TechCrunch. Now, I caught up with both gentlemen on a tea break at the buzzing GTEx Africa Media Lounge to find out what they make of Morocco, a country neither of them has reported on that much. Hey, Tej Kene Okafor here, Africa reporter for TechCrunch. It's David Adeleke, not Davido, definitely not. Africa editor at Rest of World. So what's the most unexpected thing you've picked up about the Moroccan tech ecosystem being here at JTX Africa? I'd say the entrepreneurs. So I don't know if it's because of the event of JTX or if it's, you know, that's how Morocco is. But I've seen lots of entrepreneurs, you know, building great stuff, um, pitching to different investors. And it's kind of surprising for me because I've always, you know, I've always heard that, you know, founders in Morocco don't, you know, they're not that, that common, right? And um, well, like, contrary to what I've heard, you know, it looks like, you know, people are building stuff out there. And also, technological-wise, like, everything seems kind of advanced, right? And Advanced relative to? Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> to Lagos. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. But, um, I think that's surprising because I always thought Marrakesh was going to be maybe just a tourist city with old or traditional you know architects and all architecture and all that but it seems pretty developed and you know yeah when you look at north africa as a whole there's no doubt morocco seems to be you know lagging in terms of some people's expectations of what you know technological development should look like here let alone sort of startup development but is there anything unexpected you've picked up in terms of that 
being here? Unexpected, nothing significantly unexpected because I mean, Marrakech itself as a host for this event has been fantastic, a fantastic um, city. But in terms of Morocco itself, I mean, I've, I've always been aware of North Africa's general lagging behind in other, like in terms of innovation, digitalization, in comparison to other parts of the continent. So there's, there's not, there's, there are not many surprises here, to be honest. What do you think Sub-Saharan African tech media don't quite grasp or even get wrong about Moroccan startup ecosystem. So for for the most part, I think tech media has been spot on on its description of the Moroccan tech ecosystem. So in what ways? So first of all, you know the country is it's like the fifth largest GDP in Africa and population of about 40 to 60 million people. But when you look at the startup ecosystem, they've raised or yeah, it's, yeah, it's raised like 20 million last year. And the total funding last year As was a about of, um, the total was like of African VC. Five, yeah, it's like five billion, right? And twenty million just went into Morocco, the fifth largest GDP on the continent. It doesn't just you know <laughs> add up, right? And you know, um, for the most part, yeah, like I said, tech media has been sort of spot on on that. That okay, on paper, Morocco looks like a country that should actually have more startups, right? With a bustling VC ecosystem, right? Well, that's not just reality. However, I, f I think maybe what the media gets wrong is the attribution to um, the fact that there are no founders willing to start you know, companies in Morocco, right? And from what I've noticed, I think there are lots of founders here willing to you know, take the bold step to launch companies, solve problems. However, um, the efforts or the support from the government is kind of lacking. And I think that's what the government is trying to fix with the Jitex Summit um, to provide, you know, spotlight on what's happening on the, con on the in the country and you know like they're ready for investments and, and and all that so i think yeah maybe it's a side of things to come for morocco and we might see it level up in terms of you know vc funding startup activity on the continent no doubt a major soft power win for the uae jitex africa i think it's fair to say how do you see this is this another example of just how dependent the continent's uh, startup ecosystem is on on foreign participation. Is this a a significant indicator of how we're maturing as an investment destination? Is this perhaps a sign that massive world powers are starting to to vie, you know, to vie for for the affections of our continent more vociferously? Is it all of the above, or perhaps you know? This is also an, an indicator of how we're starting to to be able to, to co-headline our own ecosystem in a way we haven't seen before. What, which is it, David? I think this is largely a symbol of how far the ecosystem has come. It's, it's a symbol of how much attention the ecosystem is getting because, I mean, if you look at the crowd, it's maybe 50-50 Africans and foreigners right at this and, and expatriates and foreigners at this event so i think this if you were to use this event as a a lightning rod now to sort of gauge where the ecosystem is at it shows you that africans recognize the level of opportunity on the continent at the same time foreign investors and foreign stakeholders also understand the the opportunity 
in the ecosystem now, how that relationship plays out, how those dynamics play out, I think is another conversation entirely. Yeah, and uh, I suppose to be fair, uh, pragmatically, as you point out, there's business to be done. And um, I suppose a separate conversation could be, you know, who's in it for what reason and <laughs> what, what motivates various parties and stakeholders. And we can sort of philosophize till the cows come home. But it's a good look. I, I, feel, I feel as though 10 years ago, this would have been expat central in a way that, at very least, to your point, it's, it's, it is starting to feel like we're part of things, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. So then, real quick, fellas, your top picks. Who are your favorites right now uh, in the Moroccan uh, startup scene? What's, uh, what's top of mind? What's trending your side? <laughs> David's pointing to himself. Let's go. Dabadoc definitely because like I said earlier the level of digitization in Morocco is, isn't as I think great as the rest of Africa which even if it comparison, in comparison with the rest of the world isn't great in itself but for a startup to attempt to be solving a problem in the medical digital medical space I think that's audacious um, and just for that reason alone they are my top pick. Fantastic. What do they do in health tech? So essentially they help they help people book medical appointments, you know, get through to doctors and I mean if you've been part of any medical system anywhere in the world you know that, that that's an incredibly difficult so um, problem to solve. So yeah, I'm looking for how I'm looking forward to how well they progress. Tage, what's your fave, bro? Uh, I think it has to be the most popular startup in Morocco. So they're called um, Shari and they're a B2B e-commerce platform and they connect informal retailers with suppliers right of FMCG um, goods so the idea is you know when um, retailers run out of stock you know they can use the mobile app or call agents to contact um, these suppliers right to get more um, goods so they can sell to to customers I think because the model is very very popular in sub-Saharan Africa right so you have the likes of Trade Depot, Asoko, Omnibis, um, Jabu and the likes in South Africa, different parts of you know Kenya, in East, West, and South Africa, right? Kind of familiar with how things work over there, and see, seeing it being replicated in North Africa, outside Egypt, which also has its own fair share of B2B e-commerce platforms, platforms, right? It's yeah, that's why I think I you know like Shari, and oh, yeah, like I said earlier, Morocco raised about twenty million dollars last year. I think they raised half of that, right? So wait, they they account for half. Of the entire country's VC allocation for last yeah, year. Yeah, for last year. That's, wow. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, we ha we get more startups that, you know, um, raise more VC funding. And also, there's a YC-backed startup. Oh, actually, there's two YC-backed startups from Morocco. Um, Friterium, they deal with freight supply and waste up. But they've sold themselves to another B2B e-commerce player called Max AB in Egypt. So I think Morocco, you know, they they have the potential to to be a very important to be a, to be a very important startup ecosystem in the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely giving me value value investment vibes. This market at the moment in yeah. terms of like being underrated and exactly, actually, you know, right, yeah. yeah. So that I think when when the what's it called the investment opportunity meets investments, like I think it's gonna we're gonna see. I think. Like Egypt two years ago, right? You know how they caught up with the big three. We're gonna see Morocco like that, hopefully, yeah. 
Reflections on the Moroccan tech scene by David Adelike, not David O, and Tej Kene Akofor of TechCrunch. And now, to wrap this Vibe Check special, let's hear from a Moroccan auto tech founder named Nizar Abdullawi Man, whose company Kifal Auto was acquired by Nigeria's Autotech. Now, after being founded in 2020, Autotech successfully closed a 13.1 million seed round in October 2021. They then went on to acquire Kifal Auto in 2022 as part of their Africa-wide expansion drive. Now, interestingly, Kifal Auto was founded a year earlier than Autotech, which is really just a fun FYI there. Here's my chat, though, with Nizar and his fairly new Autocheck business associates, Autocheck CEO Etop Ikpe and Autocheck COO Mayukun Fadeibi. Hi, my name is Niza Ablawiman. I'm the founder of Kifal Auto and part of Autocheck Group and also managing bank engagement within Autocheck. Hi, my name is Etop Ikpe, uh, CEO of Autocheck. Hi, my name is Mayo Konfadeibi and I manage the marketplace operations across the group. So Nizar, thank you for having us. Morocco is great, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming and for this interview. Congratulations on the recent acquisition of uh, your startup by Autocheck, Nizar. Thank you. Fantastic. So give us a little background. These sort of deals seem to be rare, at least for those of us who are looking, we'd love to see more. Give me a sense of what goes into a deal like this coming together. Okay, so first, I, I, in fact, this is quite rare so far, but I hope that it's uh, only the beginning of uh, multiple uh, uh, joint ventures becoming into the, the, the continent. In my specific case, so I was running Kifa Lotto, say, uh, uh, alone as a solo uh, founder, supported with some uh, local VCs. But since I met the AutoCheck team and we started discussing initially for kind of partnership, how we can cooperate together in the country, we discovered that the vision that we have on the business model, the ambition that we want to set up in this continent is aligned between our team in Morocco and the AutoCheck team operating in uh, other countries. And based from there, we said, like, why not just continue this, uh, continuing this uh, adventure together? And how did you meet? We met after the acquisition. So <laughs> the, good question, the first question should actually be how Etop and Nizar met. Over to you, Etop. Nizar had a very interesting investor. CDG Invest, particularly, is a Moroccan initiative that basically is aimed at building up the ecosystem. And um, Nizar was actually the first, it's like an accelerator, and Nizar was actually the first graduate from that accelerator, so very significant, they invested in this one. And so one of our investors had met on a trip to Morocco and just thought that we should get talking based on just exchanging notes, because I think Nizar's business model was very similar, and I, we actually find it quite rare to find people that are executing in the space that we're currently executing. So it was nice to actually, and that's how we started just talking in terms of you know, what were, you know, what's your space like, how are things, and, and, and we kicked it up from there. So tell us a little bit about the business model then. So the main business model is uh, around facilitating the used car transactions. So basically we solve all the issues related to the transaction from the car inspection, ensuring that the car is in a good state, giving warranty to the customer, managing the end-to-end -end process from identifying or finding the, the buyer, until the management of all the paperwork related to the transaction. I would say like that was the main value proposition 
brought into Kifal or offered by Kifal before joining uh, AutoCheck. But since we joined like one year ago, we also focused a lot into uh, facilitating the acquisition of the car. So uh, around like that model of drive now, pay later. So we facilitate the or we support the customers into getting a financing with the multiple banking partners that we aggregate today into uh, our marketplace. So basically one customer can come to Kifel, identify the car, get multiple offers from banks, subscribe to his loan and start driving. This is what, your sixth, seventh, eighth market? It's the eighth market. Eighth yeah. market. Eighth operational market. What are you uh, recognizing as familiar in terms of now operating in a lesser known market relative to to many sub-Saharan African markets you've previously worked in. What are you noticing that's perhaps unique to Morocco or perhaps noticeably similar and familiar? So I think the key thing would be what's actually familiar, what's similar. The value proposition, the product financing is actually valuable across board. So different countries are at different stages in terms of credit penetration. But actually that product and getting customers to actually take on auto financing is a much needed product regardless of whatever country you're in. Now the how is what changes, right? And like Nizar has said, in the Moroccan market, we're able to work extensively with the banks here to actually facilitate and improve the process. So I think for me, that's the one key thing is understanding that whatever market you go into, you can actually push that product, but the question is the how. How do we localize per market? And so, do you mind listing off which markets you're in and giving us a sense of which ones are growing the fastest? So we're currently in Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, Uganda, Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal, Morocco, and Egypt. Yeah. I think I've, I've listed all of them. <laughs> right. yeah. And we also have the AutoCheck Financial Services team headquartered in Joburg in South Africa. What's growing the fastest and what are you noticing as a trend? perhaps across the board. Firstly, maybe let's talk about the market. Which market seems to be giving, giving you the most growth? But then across the board, what aspect of your business is growing the fastest? What I would say in terms of the market growth is what we have seen is, as we launched in Nigeria the first, we actually launched our first in Nigeria, with every other market, we've been able to build on that infrastructure, that foundation. So the new markets as they come on board are actually growing at a faster rate because that way we actually have the structure in place and then we're just able to just bring in the localization. So I think going back to, in terms of the aspects of the business, what we're able to do as we've grown is just refining the processes. And like I mentioned, we have AutoShock Financial Services headquartered in Joburg. And that really is what I'll say, the headquarters of credit in Africa, right? And with that team, we've now been able to improve our credit processes, actually build out a decisioning system where customers can now walk into a dealer lot, they can go on the website, and they're able to get an offer in seconds, literally. And so this way we're kind of improving and just building on the process of credit penetration across Africa. So in terms of like very fast markets that we've seen growing, I think one that we've been very excited about, of course, has been Morocco. It has grown really, really fast and has gone quite significant within the portfolio. We've also seen Cote d'Ivoire grow quite rapidly as well, to our surprise, huge, huge, huge. We actually had to even reposition the way we configured the business to be able to really provide the kind of focus that we saw just based on the opportunity that, was, that we saw from Cote d'Ivoire. And then in terms of business services itself, we're seeing a huge part of our, our, our growth now has been driven by what my uncle had initially mentioned, which is basically providing credit decisioning support to financial institutions. So not just processing the applications, but now being able to support them 
to make instant approvals or you know uh, based, based on their credit decisioning. So we're seeing a lot of growth and acceptance across the board there as well. What is the greatest misconception you think startup ecosystem proponents from the rest of Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa particularly, what do you think the, there's a, is the biggest misconception about Morocco as a market to, to build a business in? Maybe from what I, uh, uh, I see people think that uh, Morocco is outside of Africa. I think that this is the, 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 the perception and that Morocco is really different from uh, uh, Africa. But in reality, the problems that we have to face daily, with the problem that we have to solve in the way we do business, etc., are quite similar across the, the continent. The second thing I feel is that there is this impression that Morocco is closed when we have never visited this country. It's uh, closed to foreigners, etc. While in reality, it's very open. Very open, like a lot of things are built to drive foreign investment, to drive foreign entrepreneurs to come uh, uh, in country. This is my uh, point of view. It is fair to say, though, that, I mean, I don't want to say relatives to other countries, though, there's a sense in which innovation outside the rails or drawing outside the lines might not be the wisest thing to try and sort of build something in. I mean, do you have advice for, for people who are looking at, at uh, uh, startup potential, maybe acquisition potential, merger potential, even starting something from scratch as an outsider potentially coming to, to Morocco uh, top? So I, I think, I think um, like Nizar said, I think biggest misconception would typically be for me, the perception that it's closed. You know, and I, and I always talk about perceived risk as, as an actual risk or per perception as to actually actual situation. What we've seen is a government that is, in fact, I found a pride in business, being able to be business first in a mentality, a pride in people, basically being able to close off deals. So it's a, it's a, it's a thing of pride here when a foreign business comes and is able to succeed. They're happier, unlike when you find other markets where there might be some kind of tension. Yeah, there's tension in the outsider winning. Exactly. Now, there's a lot of appreciation because there's a lot of focus on making it business friendly. And so when they find deals happening, success happening, it brings a lot of pride to say, look, that is a good example for them. So we found that. I think that some of the things that are very good here is that the regulation is very framed up. It's, it's, it's quite clear. And I think a lot of startups um, we've seen across the board in, turn of, in terms of having to get themselves prepared, you know, going into markets where... For instance, there are a lot of great areas and you have to operate, but how do you quickly spring up? I think Morocco also is a very good place to learn how to kind of put your business within the regulatory framework because things are much more clarified here in terms of what the government is going, what the position is going. So being able to layer your business, it might take a bit more time, but I think it's a good exercise for a lot of people to go through. Do you have any advice for Moroccan founders who might look up to you as, as a beacon <laughs> in, your, in your ecosystem? Think back to when you were starting out and maybe offer some tips on things you wish you knew when you were starting out, specific to your Morocco starting up experience. Maybe one advice is to open their mind, to uh, start uh, looking uh, out of uh, the natural, the traditional uh, boxes. If there is no opportunity just around the corner, locally, etc., why not start looking out also abroad? There are multiple partnerships that can be built with companies outside of Morocco. Definitely Morocco is an interesting market, but the opportunity that we have on the continent is much bigger. So I would say like that's the, the first advice. Look at business, look at for, look for opportunities, 
in Morocco, but also outside of the country. Think big. Yes, definitely. So I bet not everyone thinking as big as as perhaps Nazir here is perhaps not such a bad thing for for the pair of you. Um, it's up in Morocco, given. What I'm hearing is the steel, <laughs> that is some of the, the valuations you're, you're, you're seeing in Morocco at the moment. Probably a good time to get in, yeah? I mean, I think that it's, for me, it's really about identifying value. I think that what anyone will benefit from is just a tremendous amount of talent that's in the market. I think that, you know, you also find a, a lot of, a, a, you know, it has a good hub for, uh, which is not known on the continent as well, in terms of development resources as well. Another thing as well that I've, we found a lot strong is things like um, business intelligence and analytics as well, very strong base for that, and uh, performance marketing as well. So I think there are a lot of opportunities that beyond business, in terms of being able to build the hub for specific aspect, aspects of your market, we're finding Morocco to be quite stronger in, in that as well. Nazir, they know they got a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think if I'll sum it up, Deal great, but more importantly, is it's such an it's such an amazing culture. There's so much I've learned in terms of the culture of Morocco and the people of Morocco, and it's been amazing interacting and learning so much around the culture. It's a great country as well, very well connected, the different cities. So you do get an opportunity to see a lot more than just one uh, market that you're operating. And uh, personally, I've also made a great friend in uh, Nizar as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a massive talk. So my my last question for all three of you. And it's, it's, not a, it's, a, it's not a trick question, but it's designed to sort of establish your priorities as a business now that you're all in partnership together. And, and this is not a, a, an investment offer, so I know I, I have two hats I'm wearing. <laughs> One is the, as the interviewer in this instance, but also as part of the team of Founders Factory Africa. But let's assume I was an angel investor with a million dollars to spare right now. Incredible deal terms. Just, yeah, so let's just, let's just assume you're taking the money but you need to tell me not right now what, what the money is going to do, just to give me a sense of what your priorities are at the moment. I'm going to pass the mic around. I'm going to start with you, Mayoko. I would say we would focus on continuing to build our technology. Would that be the same for you, Eto? Um, yeah, but um, I think that you know where we there, there are several emerging ecosystems that we're seeing within our ecosystem. So we have things around building our system around our insurance and other ancillary services that we want to put in. So that's basically where. I kind of would focus a million dollars on right what now. What would you do with a million bucks? And by, please don't be swayed by what your, <laughs> your partners have said here. I mean, it really is up to you and no judgment whatsoever. I, I would say like to continue to grow and uh, to sustain that growth in the continent, we need to build an ecosystem with different value propositions going from data, data aggregation, ecosystem aggregation of workshops, as Etop mentioned, the uh, warrant uh, insurance, etc. So that's say like continue to invest in building other stuff into our value proposition and which will make me conclude that we will need much more than one million yeah. to continue. Exactly. We need more money. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you're in sync. No no one said something crazy like go buy a Bentley. So well done everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, thanks to the Nigerian and Moroccan AutoCheck teams for their insights on that piece. Let's wrap this up, folks. Thank you so much. It's been a special episode of VibeCheck. We appreciate you listening. If you're an Africa-focused founder or investor looking to learn more about Africa's tech ecosystem, check out AfricanPreSeed.com for more great content just like this. Otherwise, that's all for now. This has been VibeCheck on the African Pre-Seed podcast. Take care.